Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Hello, everyone. I hope the new moon was sweet to you. It was some heavy energy, for sure. But I kind of just laid a bit low and wrote it out. I do love a nice new moon ritual and big intentions, but I was very literally called to basically sit this one out and keep it low key. And so I did, and it was nice. But I'm feeling really energized and energetic, which is usually so unlike me around the new moon. I get really just drained and like heavy. But, you know, I guess the rest paid off, right? Right. So let's get into it. Um, Today's email comes from a witch called Tracy. Dear Eli, first I'd like to thank you for your podcast. I've been listening on my harried commutes to and from work and love your style and kindness as you share your wisdom. Thank you. I am new to witchcraft. I'm still figuring things out. I have been using essential oils and working with crystals for a few years now. I have a question slash concern about some crystals I recently purchased. I have been advised by those further along the path to be cautious regarding how they were harvested. I didn't think to ask that of the shopkeepers who are artisans. I don't want to bring bad energy into my home, and I hate the thought that these precious items that I held and were drawn to may have been handled poorly or irresponsibly. Is there anything I can do to offer them love and perhaps guard against any negativity related to how they came to be in the shop before I selected them and brought them home? This is a good question. Um, And I've gotten questions similar to this in the past. um, And that's why I wanted to address it today. Now, obviously, in a perfect world, we would all use the most responsibly, sustainably sourced materials for our work. And we absolutely want to support businesses that do the most to ensure that they're harvesting these materials in a way that respects the earth and the people and animals who live in these areas. With that said, this is information is not always available to us. And sometimes we are inadvertently going to get our hands on something that maybe doesn't have the most ethical origins. But I almost liken it to getting a dog and then finding out that it came from a puppy mill. Obviously, none of us wants to encourage or support those kinds of practices. But if, after the fact, I do find out that this is where my dog came from, I'm still going to keep him. I'm still going to love him and treat him well, and he's still going to become a member of my family. He may have had a rough start, but he and I are going to create our own relationship and we're going to start a new story together. And then the next time I get a dog, I'm going to be more diligent in finding out where he came from. Simple, imperfect analogy, but that's kind of how I look at it. And we can do the same with oils and crystals and plants and so forth whenever possible. We should do our best to make sure that these materials come from responsible companies. When we don't have access to that information, we can do our best to make sure that these materials feel loved and appreciated and welcome. Cleanse them with smoke or salt, charge them with intention, speak to them, handle them, get to know them, 
And really, we should do this with all the crystals and oils we use, regardless of where they come from. It's just polite. And it also ensures that when we use them in our workings, we will be attuned and we'll be working together more smoothly. So please don't stress out about where your oils and crystals come from. They're going to work beautifully in your spells and there won't be anything to worry about. Um, it's just one of those things, you know, we, we do what we can when we can. So thank you for the email. And if you have any questions or concerns, my email address is Eli at middleagedwitch.com. Now, today we're going to talk about the goddess Aphrodite. She is so many things. So we're going to get, we're going to begin by giving a little bit of her background. And then we're going to talk about her different correspondences, um, different issues and intents, and how we might reach out to her and work with her in our own practices. So let's just begin with a little bit of her biography. And um, I honestly think it's going to be a little bit surprising. You know, Aphrodite is not as one-dimensional as she may sometimes seem. Now, Aphrodite, ancient Greek goddess of sexual love and beauty, um, also uh, identified with Venus by the Romans. By the Romans. Um, so anytime we speak of Venus, we're really speaking of Aphrodite. For our purposes, these names are interchangeable. Um, Aphrodite was widely worshipped as a goddess of the sea and of seafaring. She was honored as a goddess of war, especially at Sparta, Thebes, and uh, Cyprus. However, she was primarily known as a goddess of love and fertility and um, even occasionally provided, presided over marriage. The goddess herself did. Um, Greek prostitutes considered Aphrodite their patron goddess. Now, some scholars believe that Aphrodite's worship came to Greece from the east. Many of her attributes recall the ancient Middle Eastern goddesses Ishtar and Astarte. And according to Greek lore, she was the daughter of Zeus and Dion. And in Book 8 of the Odyssey, Aphrodite was mated to um, Hephaestus, although it was not a good match. Um, she consequently spent her time philandering um, with several folks, um, most notably the handsome god of war Ares, by whom she became the mother of Harmonia and the warrior twins Phobos and Deimos, and of Eros, the god of love. Um, Aphrodite had many mortal lovers as well. Um, <laughs> the most important were the Trojan shepherd uh, Anchises, by whom she became the mother of um, the handsome youth Adonis. Now, Adonis was killed by a boar um, while hunting and he was like lamented by women at the festival of festival of Adonia. And the reason that I mentioned this is that the cult of Adonis had really strong underworld themes. And consequently, Aphrodite is also frequently connected with the dead and with the afterlife, which is not something that we always think about when we think of Aphrodite. Now, Aphrodite's close associ association with Eros and with you know the graces and the seasons all of this sort of emphasized her role as a, a promoter of fertility and you may recall that um, her name came up last week during the fertility magic episode 
um, and she was honored by the Roman poet Lucretius as a genetrix which is the Latin term for the creative element in the world. And she had a lot of epithets, um, Urania, which means heavenly dweller, uh, Pandemos, meaning of all the people. Um, and uh, the philosopher Plato referred to her as, you know, the ultimate goddess of intellectual and of common love. But there is another side to Ms. Aphrodite that we don't get to see too much. And I must say, one of my favorite aspects about her is that she's kind of a shit disturber, like she loves to stir the pot. And maybe that goes against what we think it should mean to be a goddess of love and beauty. But you know, we are all creatures of dichotomy, even the gods. And when you cross a goddess of love and beauty, you had better be ready for the burn. There are a lot of myths and legends surrounding Aphrodite, and they're all amazing. And when we inspect them a little more closely, we see quite clearly that Aphrodite is not the one to fuck with. And perhaps my favorite example of this is the way that Aphrodite played the long game with the king of Sparta. Um, so buckle up, babies, because this little bedtime story does not end with happily ever after. So the king of Sparta, a man called Menelaus, promised to sacrifice, to sacrifice a herd of his best cattle to Aphrodite in return for winning the contest for Helen of Troy's hand in marriage. Aphrodite accepted and she saw to it that Menelaus successfully won the contest. But this man, this absolute fool, did not keep his word and the goddess plotted her revenge. Now, sometime later, Aphrodite was in a beauty contest. Three goddesses, actually, Aphrodite, Hera, and Athena, were competing to win a precious golden apple that had to the fairest written across it. These goddesses chose a young shepherd and prince called Paris to be the judge. When Paris chose Aphrodite as the fairest and made her the winner, she rewarded him with Helen of Troy, Menelaus's wife, as a lover. Aphrodite used her son Eros, also known as Cupid, to fire his magical arrows of love into the heart of Helen so that she would elope with Paris when he traveled to Sparta. When the two lovers escaped to Paris's hometown of Troy, Menelaus brought the entire nation of Greece to fight in the Trojan Wars. The Trojans and Greeks battled for more than a decade, and many, many souls were sent to Hades. Menelaus lost his wife, and he lost scores of his countrymen because he forgot to sacrifice a couple cows. The obvious moral of this story is this. When you make a promise to a deity, you better goddamn keep it. The goddess giveth, and the goddess damn well taketh away. But the real surprise message is that Aphrodite is so much more than simply the goddess of love and beauty. She will absolutely do her part to help support your happily ever after. But remember your deal, because she will also scheme 
and plot and wreak her vengeance. She instigated the entire Trojan War because she was spurned. She made a deal, she kept her end, and when she was not given her due, she came down like a nuclear bomb, the likes of which would have most certainly made, you know, Hecate or the Morrigan proud. And in witchcraft circles, a lot of the more fearsome goddesses get the lion's share of our attention. And this is awesome. And this is not a crit criticism. This is simply an observation. But Aphrodite is so much more than she typically gets credit for. This is a goddess who can be relied upon in matters of love, beauty, and relationships, sex. I mean, for God's sake, her name is literally the root of the word aphrodisiac. But that ain't all that there is to her. So let's talk a little about all of her correspondences and also how we can approach her for assistance or how we can recognize that she is trying to get our attention. And this is something that I would not typically share because for all I share here on this podcast, I am actually a really private person, but Aphrodite was trying to get my attention for quite some time. Beginning several months back, I could feel it. The synchronicities were out of control. And when I finally like got it, like the light above my head finally switched on, it made sense. And she's been with me ever since. She has a place of honor on my altar and she receives regular tributes. And if I'm honest, this episode is a tribute to her. I hope that Aphrodite understands and appreciates my efforts here to shed some much needed light on not only who she is, but how she operates and how effortlessly she walks the fine line between all of the different aspects of who she is. So let's get into those aspects, shall we? Now we've covered love and that's all kinds of love, romantic love, marriage, familial love, sexuality, sex magic, passion, attraction, desire, pleasure, marriage, I think I said already, fertility, childbirth, beauty, youth, renewal, rebirth, but not to mention revenge, the afterlife, and something that I think bears underlining, goals. Aphrodite is a goal-oriented goddess, and she appreciates a well-laid plan, along with the moxie to follow through. Aphrodite appreciates force of character. And so with all of that knowledge, if we decided we wanted to approach her for assistance with a particular spell, or just with an especially difficult time in our lives, or maybe something relating to love or marriage or fertility or loss or death or so on, let us now talk about the different herbs, plants, and symbols that she is associated with. Remember, when we are making space for her on an altar or working a candle spell or making a mojo bag or whatever the case may be, that we can use these elements to honor her and to invite her to add her magic to our magic, to create something divine and powerful and really, really special. Herbs and flowers and plants associated with the goddess include apple, marjoram, daisy, violet, hazel, walnut, cinnamon, myrrh, 
palm and myrtle. Um, salt is an excellent tribute as Aphrodite was born from the sea. Um, this is also why pearls are very sacred to her. Um, she is also associated with copper and that's because copper rules so many of the same intentions. You know, there's so much overlap between them. And I actually keep a, a little copper dish on her altar with flowers and salt in it. And, you know, once again, if we feel like we're being called to work with her, or even if we're audacious enough to approach her unbidden, we should begin by learning what we can about her familiarizing ourselves with her history and her lore and her symbolism and it's so rich and i have barely scratched the surface today she is so layered and complex and such a woman loving and nurturing and scornful and proud and it is a blessing and an honor to feel as though i have her on my side that she is rooting for me, that she is invested in my life and my goals and my relationships. And so we can make that altar space for her that we spoke of, and we can meditate with her, light some candles, invoke her name, invite her to come and share space with us, ask her what messages she would like to share, and then pay attention to any impressions or visions that we receive. Watch for synchronicities an imagery that would be significant to her like doves and dolphins and the number one and do this regularly enough that it begins to feel natural do it enough that we begin to hear her and to feel her i know that we kind of barreled through all of this info like we always do but as a reminder there will be a written transcript of this episode on the website middleagedwitch.com. So you can always read through it later if I've gone too fast or if you want to make a note. Um, and there are going to be um, additional resources in the episode description that just have a little more information if you're interested. So I hope that this has been helpful and interesting and that I've done Ms. Aphrodite proud. We will talk again next week. My name is Eli Rowe, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. troubles be less and our blessings be more and nothing but happiness come through our door. The information presented is the author's opinion and does not constitute any health or medical advice. The content of this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any condition or disease. Please seek advice from your healthcare provider for your personal health concerns. Mm -hmm.